Today on The Breakdown, we have two of the best online poker players in the world playing a, a hand with only four players left in a big, big online event where there is, of course, hundreds of thousands of dollars in play, because why wouldn't there be? This is one of those hands which makes you want to get out the popcorn, get some butter and some salt, maybe a little of that nutritional yeast if you're, if you're adventurous. Yeah? You know what's really good, by the way, is... Uh, Put that popcorn in there and put some M&Ms with the popcorn. Just eat it all up together. Just saying, on the breakdown (laughs) with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Well, some may say that was off topic. It got me thinking. Yeah. I think one of the worst branded products in the world is nutritional yeast. How can you mm. call it nutritional yeast when you want people to sprinkle it on stuff? That sounds yeah. fucking disgusting. Yeah. Like it actually is good on popcorn. It's quite it's good. It's delightful. But when I first heard of nutritional yeast and somebody at, at like a fancy bar or whatever, and they're, they're like, oh, this popcorn has nutritional yeast. And I'm like, what is it in case you have like a disease that needs yeah. some sort of special yeast boost? <laughs> like what's hap- Why yeah. would I want yeast on my popcorn? Rebrand that shit. Call it something else. Call it magic fairy dust. Who it, cares? It sounds like it's some, an ingredient that was uh, first produced by the Amish about 150 years ago. Yep. And uh, is for women who have yeast infections. I mean, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. If you didn't know, that's what it I sort would, of, would be it my sort guess. sort of sounds like that. It sounds yeah. like something that you don't like. You wouldn't ye- eat it. Yeast is not an appealing <laughs> thing. No. Like, you don't want to eat yeast. If you're like, you know what's good about this pizza? It's all yeasty. <laughs> <laughs> no one says that. Yeah. But actually, yes, nutritional yeast is wonderful and on popcorn, but on other things as well. All right, let's rebrand it. What should we call it to mm. make it so people will be like, you know what? I will have that on my popcorn. That doesn't How sound about horrible. But this? this yeasty poppers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is that good? It's better. <laughs> Give me some of that yeasty poppers. <laughs> That's better. Could come in uh, like extreme yeasty poppers is probably even better still. Extreme yeasty poppers. Extreme yeasty poppers. So you could have yeasty poppers, but then you do the new product, which is extreme yeasty poppers with even more yeast. Well, it's, it's a bit confusing. <laughs> it sounds like you're talking about popcorn that already has nutritional uh, yeast on it when you say yeasty poppers. I'm talking yeah. about the actual product. No, I know. I meant that too. I was just ca- trying to go with a cool sounding name. Ah. But um, you're right. Poppers and popcorn is probably Probably shouldn't have the word yeast in it. That's probably a big no, thing. No, the, no, no. Yeasty. Yeasty is good. Yeasty is going to be the mascot. <laughs> hey, it's yeasty. <laughs> hey, kids. If you had enough yeast today, how about some extreme yeast? <laughs> <laughs> the kids do love extreme things. Yeah. It is 1996 right now. You're going to get like um, the guy who drives that big monster truck, the most famous one. You Grave know, the, digger? The, yeah. That, I was going to say the undertaker, but it's the grave digger. Yeah. Um, to like sponsor it on the side of the monster. <laughs> Drinks is extreme yeasties. <laughs> I better eat my yeasties, you know? I mean, there's so many ways you could go with this. It's brilliant. Monster truck rallies are definitely a good marketing, <laughs> a fertile marketing ground for, uh, for the yeasties. <laughs> I mean, there's like no market competition for that right now. So you can probably get in a little cheaper than normal. Like you're not... You're not fighting the other yeast products, yeast-based products for uh, for eyeballs in, yeah, the, in the monster truck space. See, this is the problem with business people these <laughs> days. You as the executive at Yeast Corp, you're you're not seeing the market for what it is. You're you're trying to make nutritional yeast compete with other yeast products. Right. That's not what you're competing with, man. You're competing with salt. Exactly. You're competing with salt. You're going to be the goat spice for popcorn and all the other things. Good job, Grant. You know, um, I remember reading about the i pod not that long ago and so when steve jobs like in 2018 it was probably about six months ago 
It was pandemic based. Oh, I thought uh, I was reading about. It. Oh, I thought oh. you meant like back when the iPod was a thing that people bought. No, it's back when the, Apple was first trying to decide if they were doing it or not. And one of the arguments against it was that the MP3 market wasn't that big, hmm. right? That there just wasn't that much money to be made right. in the MP3 market, making MP3 players. But the thing is that Steve, we think Steve Jobs realized this, but whoever wrote it realized it anyway. He was saying the iPod wasn't competing against the MP3 market. It was competing against anti-production. Like it was competing against all the people who didn't know and just weren't using it. Like that there was a much bigger market out there potentially. And that's true for a lot of these kind of more revolutionary products as we go along that we're comparing it often to the wrong things. Yeah. And so we compare it to the current market instead of just like, no, people just aren't using that. Um, but they might, given the chance, versus MP3 players, which they clearly shown that they're not interested in at all. Yeah. Like, the world hadn't been turned on to the magic of what this could all be, and Apple figured out how to turn it on to them. And then, they really boy, oh boy, did. they built everything basically on the back of the iPod. Man, iPods are so fucking cool back then. Yeah. I loved my iPod. It was I awesome. Mean, Apple's, like, I don't know. I think Tesla's currently the biggest company in the world. It moves, it moves back and forth. Apple is, like, one of the top three companies in the world, though, size-wise, and has been for a long time. All really because of the iPod. That's where all this started, really. Yeah. Steve I mean, Jobs came back. It's basically a proto iPhone, which is now yeah. like the main driver. No question. Yeah. Like without, I don't know if they get to the iPhone without the iPod. For not just because of the money but and the branding, but because of, yeah, it's like the first step where you can look at that and say, like, what if we added the phone to this now, yeah. right? Um, Steve Jobs came back. He did the, uh, the, the iMac, I think is what it was. First. Yeah, the, the one cool with the looking, different colorful. Yeah, back. which was a huge hit. Yeah. But... Then they weren't really, all they were going to do is keep making computers until they decided to do this. This led to, like you said, this led to the iPhone, which led to the iPad, which led to Apple being the biggest company in the world. And here we are. Yeah. Still. In the, and there's no stopping. They look, nothing's slowing them down currently, right? I mean, it's incredible. Well, they got that planned obsolescence. That's working pretty well for them. Yeah. Really well. I mean, everybody does it. It's not just Apple. But they do it better than most people. And they also somehow figured out how to get, how to charge more for what is often a similar product and people being not just willing to pay it, but excited to pay it. Well, I know exactly how they did that. Yeah. They, they did that by creating a closed ecosystem that is very useful when you use Apple devices together, but very difficult to enter with other devices. And it's really nice as a person who owns many Apple products to have that ecosystem. And obviously branding is part of it too. And it's also their platform is simple, easy to use and so, so basically, you're kind of getting upcharged to use the software that's on the phone that mm-hmm. you can't use on other phones, right? Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. And at this point, surely, if we're talking about the phone specifically, like there's really expensive phones now that, are, that compete with the iPhone on price, the yeah. expensive versions, right? So it's not really the same. But I will say, as someone who used to have iPhones for years and years and years, and then in about 2014, 2015, I decided to go Android. Um, and I've never gone back. And part of it is because the experience is really similar and it's significantly less expensive. Like, I don't know if there's much difference anymore between these products, really. There's a little bit of difference. Like you said, the ecosystem. Yeah. As someone who has a lot of Apple products, I do. I have an iPad right in front of me right now. Yeah. Um, I have a Macintosh computer. Uh, but still, like, I, I like not being so tapped into that ecosystem, personally. I, I, there's some benefits to it, but I don't like being so into it. But, but my point is that they still sell a kajillion iPhones, even though... The iPhone now isn't that different from your $500 Android phone, a $900 iPhone. They're pretty fucking similar. Oh, tech spec-wise, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, certainly. So it's just interesting. And not just tech spec, but even like what you can do with them are pretty similar. Yeah, similar. So it's just weird that that they're so successful. It's impressive, I guess what I'm saying. It is. So successful in getting most people to really pay the extra 400 bucks or whatever it may be for this, for their product versus another product. That's been something they've done for a really long time now. It's, it's also like the branding, obviously, is a huge deal. Like somehow 
somehow Apple with their products ships little Apple logos to you that are stickers for you to just put on whatever you want. That's not an Apple product and people actually do it. Yeah. Like that's insane. You know, I got today uh, just before you got to my, my home, I was just opening up uh, a, a ledger, which is a cryptocurrency uh, cold storage wallet. Yeah. So it's like a thumb drive for you, those of you who don't know. And like no one's ever heard of fucking ledgers unless you're in the crypto world. Right. right. So within that box, they have stickers and stuff like that, too, just like Apple does. And I was looking. I was like, what the fuck Why are they would I thinking? Yeah. And no one's going to. What the hell? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do it with Apple stuff either. I never have. But I, understand, but I see people do it with Apple, and I don't think it's weird. But I would think it was weird with almost anything I else. think it's weird with Apple. I'm just so used to it, I guess, maybe at this point. If I see a Prius, which is, feels like... Yeah. I, I have a Prius, so this isn't disparaging, but if I see a Prius <laughs> driving driving down the street and it has an Apple thing on it, I like, have to do a double take to remember that somebody actually put it there because there are so many Priuses with Apple stickers on them <laughs> in the world. It is weird. It's a status thing? Is that That's all it could be, right? Why else would you... I don't know. It's brand association. You see it in a lot of industries. Like I was just thinking about how crypto is kind of like this, where it, at least a subset of the population is like hyper-vigilant defenders of certain cryptocurrencies or products surrounding cryptocurrencies for no real reason other than herd mentality, I guess, or the desire to to be on a team or something. It's kind of like gaming, right? Like some people get really intense about like Xbox versus PlayStation and which one's better and stuff like that. Like, I mean, there's with crypto, it's a little different because there's usually financial incentive in theory. Like, if I can convince everyone that this thing is better since I own it, that's going to drive the price up. But of course, that's absurd yeah. unless you have a megaphone, unless you're like followed by a million people. If you're on Elon Twitter, Musk, it makes right. a difference. But, but if you're yeah. normal, all the normal people who are doing this, you're, it's, you're not going to affect the price. Like, right. that's ridiculous. And and I don't of course really could, think that that's what it is motivation okay. wise when these people are doing it. I think it's the same as like this, the Xbox versus PlayStation thing. Hmm. So, this is my thing and I've attached myself to it. You yeah. Know? There's some identity stuff in there. That's probably true. Yeah. It's interesting how that works. Uh, and also, of course, with crypto, not, and this is true, I guess, with a lot of things, but like Xbox, you have your Xbox and you're done until the next generation yeah. comes out eight years later. With crypto, it's an investment. You can move out of it anytime you want and buy the other things. Yeah. So, but people often don't. Like People get very attached to whatever their bags are. I've mm-hmm. certainly been there many times myself. I've been really working hard on not being so attached to certain things and dropping them. Like we, There was a point many years ago when Dash sponsored us. We got a bunch of Dash for doing that. It was really cool. Took me a long time to sell that dash. Yeah, you know, much longer than it should. Which have. is not done as well as other cryptos. Right. Since it was. Then. It is done yeah. very poorly, and even in this resurgent market, it's done comparatively pretty poorly to, uh, compared to much much of the other stuff. And it took me a long, long time to sell it, and I finally did. But man, it was. It's like an emotional thing to let go of it. You know, like I got all caught up in how it was going to do and yeah. defending it and believing in it and all that stuff. That's it. It's. You know, when the Dennis and Lovey podcast starts coming out, this is the type of topic we're going to yeah. do. You know, like, why are people so attached to the PlayStation versus Xbox? Who fucking cares? Yeah. Like, we're going we're gonna to get Tribes, way man. more in depth on that Tribalism. Stuff. Yeah. But instead, this is a poker podcast. Oh, yes, it is. So let's talk about poker because we're, we got two of probably the best players in the world, I would guess. Like, yeah. Limitless currently is one of the most feared online poker players in the world. No question. His opponent, Yuri Dzivilevsky, was at one time Pocket Five's number one player, yep. meaning number one online player. In like 2019, I think. I think so it was recent. That's pretty legit. That, this is, these are the players who are playing. They are not players that I would fare well against if I played a million hands against them. I would lose to them in a lot of games, i.e. backgammon. I'm very bad at that. Um, you just got to move the pieces. Do you, you ever try moving the pieces? What do you? What does that mean? That's how you win. How it would back, you, that's how you win it back. How there. do you even move them? Do you, do you? I think what your problem is, you probably yeah. just set the pieces yeah. and you wait for stuff to happen. I assume that's how. If whoever sets best wins, right? It's like, um, like like open face. 
It's like checkers. Poker. You yeah. just you put the pieces out and uh, you're done. Yeah, yeah. And chess, chess yeah. is the same thing. Yeah. yeah so whoever, is, is whoever, gets, like whoever gets the pawns the most centered in the square. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, backgammon is the same way. By the way, I'm really bad at all those games. I usually lose all those games. Yeah. You would probably be good at chess if you put some time into it. I don't know. No matter how I set them, when I walk <laughs> away, I come back and all the pieces are like I've lost. It's really strange. Like my time is my timer's out. Should we become chess people? <laughs> There's a chess podcast waiting to be made yeah. that's with, with this kind of irreverent humor yeah. and, and <laughs> fucking, you know, rapport. Yeah. There's none that exists like that. I've listened to all of them. Uh, you, yeah, but you've never played chess. <laughs> no, I played a little bit. You set the board. Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't, th- that was weird in the Queen's Gambit watching that, actually. How they move like, the pieces? It's kind of like sacrilegious. Well, they're cheating, and then it's like yeah. everyone's just fine with it. We're pretending that's how chess is played. And like, I guess for I the mean, narrative, I guess it's like an alternate universe Type yeah, of thing. That's true. You know? That's fair. Like where chess pieces move. <laughs> we, right. We, we do we, weird stuff on we this. We were pl- this close to talking about the hand. <laughs> we got <laughs> so close. So, we talked about the players. We did, and then somehow we that we used that as a way to move on. All right, so we will talk about the hand. Okay. This is a ten K buy in, which is a you know, it's different than a ten K live buy in. It's a, it's like Yeah. Online buy ins are you, you maybe magnitude of, of one order of magnitude harder. Well, that would make this 100K. That feels like maybe, maybe a not, little too much. Maybe not. Even though these are the final bosses here. But like, I would guess this is equivalent to maybe a 25 to 50K buy-in. Like Pro- live? Probably. Something is there like a difference between a 50K and a 100K live? I don't know. I don't know either, man. You're right. I, it's easier to... You get a few more people satelliting <laughs> into the 50. I don't know. You're yeah. right. There's probably not that much. And maybe 25 is similar too, quite yeah. frankly. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Once you're at the 100K level, it feels like it's pretty much just really rich dudes, super monster death-defying players and who are rich also, and super monster death-defying players who are put in by other rich guys. That's it. That's the I wonder. Field. I wonder, though, if like a 25K might be tougher than a 100K in some cases because the, the percentage of whales in the 100K might be higher. Mm. Your expected value uh, ROI-wise might be higher in a 25 or in a 100K than a 25K. It, it really as, like, as like a Timothy Adams type guy. Yeah. I am not sure how many really... I mean, the only reason the, the, the young guys all play that, I think, is because there's some rich guys yeah. playing too. Like, they wouldn't just play each other for no. this much money, right? They just wouldn't do it. Right. Why? Maybe if you're the, you know you're the best of all of them, you're willing to do it. But yeah. like, if it's that close, like, why, what's the point? You know? Yeah. So... I guess I guess if you're free rolling it, like if someone's putting you in, you could do it. Right. But, otherwise, if, but if more of the young crusher types can afford the 25 yeah. than the 100K, you might end up with a higher percentage of the field being tough. This is fair. This is not unlike being at the World Series and playing like a 5K event, right? Versus the 10K main event, where like you say, well, the 10K main event must be tougher, and that's never no. The, the 10K main event is super soft. One of the softest fields of the calendar. It's like that in the Monster Second, the Millionaire Maker, right? Yeah, and almost every five... Well, now the Colossus and all and the, those Oh, ones. yeah. yeah those well, I, I wasn't software. counting that, but... Would, all yeah. the, the, as cheap as it gets, it's going to be those... All right, anything software. over 1K. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, in the 5K event, it's going to be incredibly tough, almost guaranteed, whichever 5K event it is. Right. It's, like, almost always Or, like, just a, a weekday 3K event. Yeah. Like, is way tougher than the main event. I've played some weekday 3K events. By far the toughest fields I've ever played. Yeah, I never play in those. I'm, yeah. like, not interested in playing those. Like, yeah. why, why would I do that? I want to play the Millionaire Maker where it's like, I can move on easily. I just have to play well. You I know? made, like, a, like, an ill-advised bluff against Big Cooney in a weekday 3K. Mm. And you got it through, right? Yeah, I got it through. Folded aces. It's because he's like pre flop. It's because he's like looking, he's looking at you and he's like, this guy doesn't have a fucking bluff. There's no way he could be bluffing. <laughs> That's possible. Here. But that means good. That means he, he underestimated you, which is what you know. You're supposed to take advantage. I of did that. well in that event. 
did you? okay. How'd I, ca- you do? I cashed. Was that like a min cash? It was a min cash. Yeah. That was like your only cash that summer, right? No, that was oh, that, that was, was two pre- that was two oh. summers ago. That was the summer of 2018 when oh, okay. I when I made like I don't know 15k. Oh, that, nice. that summer. But no, the summer of 2019 was that bad. was bleak for you. right? Yeah, I did not. I cashed in one event, and it was the cheapest buy-in that I did. It was a 550 at the win. <laughs> and you didn't even like cash for that much, did you? No, I min cashed in that event, <laughs> despite having 200 blinds on the Jesus. bubble. By the way, wow, I got super coolered. That's that's too bad. Yeah, it was a bad summer that 2019 summer. I kind of remember that. I remember I I like I think I did okay. I think I'm the only one who in our house who like made money, but I didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, you, you just did okay. I don't even really. remember. Yeah, my summer ended perfectly on day two of the main event, running kings into aces against the most aggressive guy in the world. Yeah, like so. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, maybe we can talk about this hand. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay. All right. Um, so fourth is 207,000 in this 10K buy, and that's how many players remain. First is 250, or 452, excuse me. So there's still a quarter million dollars to play for here. Cool. Signif Mun. Signif. Signif Mun, they say. Hey, guess who suggested this, by the way? It is fucking Casper Quack again. You know what I'm going to start calling This guy him? is making a name for himself. He's got a name. He's just, he's just earned a new name. What is King it? King Casper. That's pretty damn good. It is. It's pretty damn good. It's better than calling him KKK. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. No. But King Casper, dude, you're killing it, buddy. Seriously, Casper Quack is, I mean, he's not the GOAT. No. But he's currently playing better than anybody else in the league. Yeah, there's no question. He's, he's, the, he's got a shot at certainly this year's, this season's MVP. And more than that, yeah. there's at least whispers about, like, I mean, if he can keep this up. Yeah. Is he, like, going to displace someone on the on he's Mount Luka Rushmore? Doncic. He's Luka Doncic. He's got a shot to displace someone on Mount Rushmore yeah. now. And we never say that anymore. No. But, like, I don't know who... I know you're saying it's Brian with a Y is like the most vulnerable. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's true. That's for that's a discussion to have many years down the line. Yes. That's, historians are going to debate that forever. But um, when the when the council reconvenes, we will discuss. <laughs> but I just want to say, damn, Casper Quack, you are. We we have to take you very seriously now for like it's very impressive for the Mount Rushmore spot. Casper Quack is basically like, how did the Kings pass on this guy? Yes. How did the Suns pass on this exactly. guy? I know I know is you're it, supposed to take Mark Testart, but like, <laughs> how did the Suns pass I on mean, this? Everyone guy? Everyone knew Casper Quack was a generational talent, <laughs> yeah. but everyone's like, well, Testart's Testart's taller, and, and he's like, build he's like Testart. a guaranteed prototype. Exactly. You know, he's good. He's great. He's gonna got, be great. He's gonna be a Hall of Fame career most likely. But you like, got to gamble on the upside. That's the constant thing we learn here. <laughs> and in this case, Casper Quack is now clearly at worst in the on-deck position for Mount Rushmore. He's the number five guy. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't yeah. think there's anyone else. Probably shouldn't compare any of the listeners to Marvin Bagley, so we won't do that. Okay. That would be rude. Okay. Basketball anyway. fans liked that reference. Yeah, yeah, and if you didn't know what we're talking about, it's fine. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it goes to the small blind here. Two folds. There is an effect. There is an 18 blind stack at the table that may factor into this hand uh, because, of course, the 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 payout changes are getting to be pretty significant. Yeah. Limitless is in the small blind. He's got eight and a half million at 80 K one sixty. So he's kind of swimming in it for this stage of the tournament. Yeah. He's feeling pretty good over 50 bigs. He's got ace of diamonds, 10 of hearts. That's pretty good forehanded, especially when you end up in the small blind. heads up (laughs) makes it 480 K three X is it? Sure. Yuri Dzivalevsky. We're just going to call limitless limitless because his real name is Walter. Malinsky, Malinowski, but yeah. everybody knows Limitless. So yeah. we're gonna, and we're going to call Yuri Yuri. So whatever. Great. So there's no, there's no consistency. It's fine. So Yuri's got 5.6 million, 35 blinds. 
And deuce five of hearts, which he decides to three bet to 1.2 million. Oh, I'm glad because that makes, I don't, by the way, I don't know at all what happens in this hand. I usually do. I don't know. So I haven't looked, I wasn't here for this video. I was doing other work for us. Um, So that's really exciting to me that he did this because I was wondering in my head, are we four betting ace 10 in this spot with an 18 blind stack and our, our opponent at 35 blinds if we get three bet? Yeah, I think it's a pretty curious thing. And it, a lot of it of course has to do with Yuri. Now, Against an easy opponent, you might have a much easier decision. Well, that's always the case. But you might have a, a more clear path of like, okay, this is the type of guy that I should jam because he's going to be 3-betting me way too much here. Yeah. And he's going to fold because of ICM pressure, even if he has a slightly better hand than me. Or this is a guy that I can never jam on because he has like jacks plus and he's always calling. Right. So you you don't get that with, when you're playing against the guy who was number one pocket fives player in right. 2019. Right. So you can't really make a decision entirely based on your recent experience with Yuri. Uh, of what to do. So you have to have more of a holistic overall plan for this type of situation against elite players. So what do you do with ace 10 against a 35 blind effective stack in this spot? The thing that's a little weird about four bet shoving. Okay. First of all, I don't think we can fold this hand. No, there's no folding. It's only call or shove. Yes. Right? Okay. The thing that's a little weird about four bet shoving is first of all, our hand may be a little too good. It feels like we're turning it into a bluff when we four bet shove. Yeah, it is probably a game theory disaster. I don't yeah. see us getting called by ace nine or king queen or anything ace like jack that. Ace-jack might be calling. Yeah. Ace-queen is definitely calling. Yeah. I think ace-jack might be calling too. Yep. Um, ace nine is definitely, ace-ten is, oh, sorry, ace-nine is folding. We're folding out a chop. We're folding, we are folding in hands with equity, of course. Yeah, we might fold out like Pocket fours. I think we might fold out pocket fours, but like pocket eights are calling. Yeah. Right? They're not three betting to fold. Pocket sevens, I think, are calling. Maybe all pocket pairs are calling if they're three Maybe. betting. They might, they might just all be calling. Maybe. Um, so it's a little bit weird to do that. At the same point, to call and play this hand out of position is going to be not super easy, right? How much did he th- three bet to? 1.28 million. So that takes us to, okay, so it's, it's not like wildly expensive, right? So that's good. Right, it's like. It's I mean, like we've got what? stacked the like pot. We got stacked blinds. the pot issues. Post we do, but we have ace ten. So, yeah. like, if we flop top pair, we're never folding. Basically, right? what if we flop like deuce deuce four? Uh, we're gonna. Well, in this case, we we should fold because he has trips. Well, yeah. Um, we're gonna check and probably have to call one street if he bets small. Yeah, which I assume is what he's gonna do a lot on deuce deuce four. He's not gonna bet huge, right? Right. Um, so yeah, if he bets big, we can we can consider folding. If he bets small, I think we absolutely have to call one straight. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Cool. Um, I think we're supposed to call. And I mean, lose this kind of sizable pot a lot when we could just four bet shove and win. It's though. so close. This is one of those things where, for me, if I were in limitless seat, um, I would do it based on the field. Like yeah. if I feel like I'm the fish, I'm shoving. For if sure. I feel like it's most fields that I'm in and everybody else is the fish, I'm calling. Right, because you can afford to get chopped down and still feel like you're you have a, you're the favorite. Yeah. Right. Versus like God, if I get chopped down and these guys are better than me, I'm I lose so much more of the time. Yeah. Um, there is some real value in four bet shoving, of course, beyond just winning the pot right now, too, which is there's meta value in it, which is like he's probably going to be a little bit less inclined to three bet us. Now, maybe these players, that's not true. These guys are so good. Maybe it doesn't change anything. But I think for like a lot of players in this spot, they three bet, they get four bet, and they just assume they're maybe getting four bet light, but they can't call or they don't call. And then they're like, I don't know, for personally, I feel that sometimes where I'm a little less um, inclined to pull the trigger. Probably that's not true for a guy like Yuri. Though. I would guess not. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't matter. So it's really just about the value of the hand right here. I think it's really close. I think I like calling more than, more than shoving if I'm limitless because I'm limitless. Yeah. 
but we're out of position against one of the best players in the world. It's not great. It's not. I mean, I think we're going to have to have some ace high call downs against, oh a, player, against a player like this. Fuck, that's hard. Maybe not against triple barrels, but if it's two yeah. barrels on a reasonable board. I think it's if it, okay. I mean, if he goes bet, I mean, of course, it matters what the board is. But if the board's like not super interesting, deuce, deuce, four, jack, seven, yeah. rainbow, and he goes bet, check, bet. Are we really calling the river? I, I think know. we have to sometimes. Sometimes. If we have like the right blockers or something like yeah. that, like as far as suits, things Man, like that. It's going to be tough. It's going to suck when he turns over jack nine suited, you know, and like yeah. we could have won so much of the time pre, but whatever. So much more fun and easy to play against bad players. And by fun, I don't mean fun. I mean profitable. Yeah, of course. Um, this is the kind of thing that where ace 10 is like probably just good enough to call, right? Yeah. Like if we have ace three, we should probably shoving is great. Because now we can fold that way a lot of hands yeah. that are better than ours, right? Or, or are going to be chops ultimately, like bad aces and even medium aces are probably going to fold. Ace nine is folding. Ace seven is folding. Ace ten might be folding. I, I think it's, it's folding. close, right? Um, that's cool, but like this hand is like it's just a little too good, and we get we run into this almost. It may be a perfect game theory disaster. It might be. Limitless decides to call. That's fine. It feels more comfortable to call. I, I, would, I think I would go through all this in my head and be like, unless this guy's three-betting me a lot, I'm just calling. If this guy's three-betting me a lot, I'm probably shoving, even though it's a game theory disaster spot, just to like, just to like push back. You know, yeah. It's like my hand's probably good enough to do that with. Speaking of limitless, how about some limitless fun? Whoa. I'm talking about nitrogen sports, of course. I mean, that is basically what nitrogen sports means in other languages. Yeah, the languages that have not yet been discovered. <laughs> or invented. Yeah. Because can you discover a language? I guess you can. I mean, aliens, if they visit, they might have a language that nitrogen sports means endless fun in. So are we saying, so it's we haven't discovered it, but it has been discovered by some. It has been undiscovered by human beings that are from Earth. Okay. Wow. Not human beings from other places. Who's to say that the aliens aren't human beings? You know what? Great point. I've seen Star Trek. Yeah. And other sci-fi shows. I've, I've seen Battlestar Galactica. Yes. So have I. And I was happy to, to have done so. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the limitless fun I refer to is, of course, sports betting, casino games, and poker. poker! <laughs> the crown jewel of which is the monthly Poker Guys tournaments. Oh. It is mwah, chef's kiss. Mm. You know, it's like Emerald Lagasse. Like, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> You're being very helpful in this ad, and I appreciate it. Yeah. If you use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen, you get access to that tournament which is a 1,000 buy-in guarantee. They cut off the player pool at 300 players. No! It's good. Oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> it means that they're putting in at least 700 buy-ins. That's a good deal for you if you're a player, no matter what the buy-in is. It's a Bitcoin-only site, right? The, the buy-in is 0.1 millibits, which right now is around 5 bucks, meaning the guarantee is around 5,000 bucks. Yeah. Meaning Nitrogen is putting up around 3,800 bucks at least. It's the sickest, most incredible spot, Yeah, considering... Who gives away this much money every month just because? Nobody, uh, A really. company that is enjoying yes. being heavily invested in crypto and not caring about losing that money. I guess so. And, and you know, it wants to reward our longtime uh, listeners yeah. and longtime audience who's been, like, playing on Nitro. Because, you know, if you sign up, of course, using the link in the description, you get to be part of this. But if you've just been playing on Nitro, or if you signed up at any point, you get to be part of this, too. You know, forever, you get to be part of this. It's incredible. Hey, by the way, there's other benefits to using the link. It's not just this. And we have an example. Right now, it's the March Madness bracket. Nitrogen yeah. is putting up 300 bucks for a free entry March Madness bracket. Of course, you have to sign up using that link if you want access to that. There will be more details to follow on how to enter that 
Check out our Twitter. Yeah, actually, you, yeah, check out our Twitter. That's not entirely true what you just said, but use the link to sign up anyway. Okay. Sorry, I made it confusing. You did. Sorry. Just check out the Twitter. But this was a good ad. We did good this time. Thanks. It was funny. It was, it was all right. It was all right. I was, feel like some people skip the ad, and you know what? I understand that, but I think it's a mistake because it's pretty fun. I mean, I do skip ads on other podcasts. I do too. But that's because they're just reading the, the lines. No, yeah, of course. No, yeah. like if they were doing funny stuff, I'd be more inclined to listen. Obviously, some people do. I know some people don't, and that's okay. No judgment. But man, like you guys are costing yourself some money. If you like the first, if you like the opening bit of this podcast, if you listen to that, you should probably listen to the ad is what I'm saying. That's all. Because that's when we fuck around. Yeah. There's one other podcast I can think of that does off-the-cuff ads. Do you know? You, you listen to it, too. At least you have in the past. And I have in the... I is it like the CBS Sports guys no, or something? No, no. <laughs> what is it? They're not funny anyway. I know. Uh, it's How Did This Get Made? Oh, I haven't listened it's to basically that in just, years. Basically, just Paul Shear gets some ad copy and just says whatever the hell he wants. That's great. Yeah. Good for him. It, it's pretty funny. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think Jason Manzoukas is funnier than Paul Shear, but I enjoy I'd, them both. Jason Manzoukas is clearly funnier than Paul Shear. Yeah, he's, I mean, it's not really fair. Jason Manzoukas is funnier than most people. Yeah. Like, Paul Shear is, is great. Yeah. And is, I have no problem with Paul Shear. He can come on the show anytime. It's, it, you know what it is? I think Paul Shear, Paul Shear might be kind of the engine that drives it. He's kind mm-hmm. of the comedic mind. But Jason Manzoukas has incredible delivery. Yeah. Just, like, insanely good delivery. It's, I just feel like it's almost all the stuff that Jason Manzoukas does in all forms of entertainment are just him being himself, mostly. Yeah. But it's amazing and wonderful, and sometimes being yourself is enough. And I'm happy to say that's true for him. Yeah, congratulations, Jason Manzoukas. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the hand. This is, it may be pandemic-related, where we just don't hang out as much as we used to. So, like, when we, when we get together, we... We're basically just be, chatting. It could be a little bit of that. That's okay. Yeah. It's not like we're just trying to, to talk talk the poker and get the anal- analytics out, and then we go hang out with a bunch of friends and right. talk about all this stuff. Let's go watch, this, let's go watch basketball and have, and have a barbecue, which, yeah. we might, which we really used to do a lot, yeah. and now we don't do that. S- soon, soon, though. Yeah. That'll be, forward to that'll be good. All anyway. Right. Anyway, 2.64 million in the pot after right. the three bet with the deuce five of hearts by Yuri and the call by Limitless. Okay. The flop is Ace of Hearts, King of Hearts, Four of Hearts. What the living fuck? So Yuri flops the 5-5 five, five flush with a straight flush draw, gut shot, and Limitless has top pair and the 10 high flush draw. Okay. So pretty interesting shit. Yeah. I mean, I'd expect someone's going to be all in at some point in this hand, and, you know, either the heart's coming or it isn't, but we'll see. All right, Limitless checks. Okay. Yuri unsurprisingly downsizes. Yes. 528K. Okay. Into 2.6 million. Super small, but that makes sense, especially on the monochromatic uh, ace high yeah. board. Is there any raising for Limitless? Because obviously there's no folding. Calling feels obvious. Seems like crazy to raise. It does. Like, oh my God, we have the best hand a lot. We have the best draw a lot. Raising is going to possibly be yet another game theory disaster yeah. spot where we might fold that. Maybe we get called by worse aces sometimes. Maybe ace eight will call us, yeah. Maybe we're going to get value from those later anyway. It seems like a bad idea to raise. I agree. I agree. Limitless agrees as well. Okay. Limitless calls. Cool. Pot's 3.7 million. Okay. I didn't write down the turn card. Good. Because I am a professional. It must have been unimportant. It must it's have been a brick. Nine of clubs. Yes. So the board is now ace, five, king, all hearts, and then the nine of clubs on the turn. Limitless uh, says ace, stone, It's ace, king, four. Sorry. Yeah. Right, because yeah. the five of hearts is in uh, Yuri's hand. Yes, it is. He has a straight flush draw on top of... By the way, one of the hearts is no good for Limitless yeah. as well. Yeah, that's correct. Damn. Limitless checks again. Sure. Yuri's going to bet again. Of course. Yeah, with five high flush. 1.2 million. 1.22 million. 
How much is this set us up to have as Yuri uh, for the river? 2.65. Okay, so we have an easy shove on the river. Great. I mean, this, this spot currently kind of sucks for Limitless, but he has to call again, right? There's no folding this hand, especially against a guy as good as Yuri, who absolutely can... I mean, he doesn't have a king, no. right? But he might even be betting a worse ace sometimes on the turn with the plan of checking back rivers. You know, he's trying to charge our yeah. heart right Could now. have any queen or jack of hearts combo, too. We're way ahead of his range. Yeah. We have an easy call. I think we do. That's what Limitless does. Yeah. Pot is 6.1 million. Should we talk about the, should the idea of should Limitless ever consider check raising all in? It feels absurd. Right. Because we're only protecting against the queen and jack of hearts. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Everything else is, everything else is game theory disaster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He calls. Cool. It makes sense. Good. Pot 6.1 million. As I said, Yuri has 2.65 million okay. remaining effective. Here's where things get a little saucy and spicy. Okay. The river is the four of clubs pairing the four. Yeah. Limitless goes all in. What the fuck is going on and why is he doing that? Because he thinks he's chopping. He's calling against... Okay, he's chopping with ace-queen now. Yeah. He's chopping with all aces. Yeah. He's trying to get him off a chop. Yep. Because he feels like ace-king is going to get all my money anyway. Yeah. I'm calling and ace-king shoving and I'm calling. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Everything better than ace-king is shoving too. Um, everything that's beating me is, is shoving and I'm calling. So that so who cares about that? Yeah. I'm only trying... I'm only worried about hands that I'm beating. Yep. I'm not, he's not bluffing. He can't be bluffing, right? No, this is not. Well, it is a bluff. Wait, you know, he's bluff. trying to get him off a chop. Yeah. Right, right. So it's a bluff. It's a super weird shove, though. What's he repping? He's repping uh, a flush, a flopped flush. He could play a flop flush like this. A full house? Yeah. That's really strange. It's a really strange play when his hand is as good as it is. I understand. Like... We might, get a sh- we might get a bluff shove out of Yuri anyway on this card, right? Like if Yuri had Jack 10? No, is there a He's jack- often... I think Yuri's often going to just bag it and not go for it. Do we think Yuri's... I guess Limitless must think he's folding out a, an ace some of the time. Yes, absolutely. Do you think we're folding out an ace some of the time? Yuri's, yeah. Yuri's put in most of his stack. Of course I think we're folding out an ace some of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. I mean, this is an incredibly strong line from Limitless. Incredibly strong. It is very strong, but it's limitless, right? It isn't like... Do we know that he's hyper bluffy? He's, he's an online he's, super legend. I'm he's saying probably, he's, like, he's going to be balanced here is yeah. what I'm saying. So like it's strong, but it's strong in a way that's going to be balanced. And so that means it's strong just enough of the time that we're kind of indifferent to calling with a lot of our... With our normal... With the middle part of our range, right? So we're near the top of our range with a flush. But we're not talking about that. The question wasn't about that. The question was if we have an ace, yeah. now, which is now that's more the middle part of our I range. think the majority of the world is folding an ace without thinking about it. Yeah, you hate it, don't you? Yeah. It just sucks. Like, you've been in the spot like this with an ace, for sure. Yeah, but not against Limitless. Yeah. It's really different. When I'm against the old guy, who always has it when he does, this is yeah. the easiest fold in the world. I mean, right? I've, I've been in this spot against good players, too. Yeah. And it's... I fold the ace. Like You usually have to fold the ace. Yeah. yeah. But we have put in... We only have like 15 blinds left as Yuri, right? Yeah. So if we have a seven, okay, what are we losing to? What do we think Limitless has? He's saying he has a flush or a full house. That's all it could be, yeah. right? Because if it was an ace, we wouldn't worry about it. Right. Obviously, who cares? And he probably wouldn't. We, we assume we wouldn't make this play with an ace, which is what makes it interesting. Yeah. Because he's got a bluff catcher, an easy bluff catcher. And he's like, it's not, I want more. I want to win the times. He thinks there's no more bluffing. He thinks he's not going to get a bluff. Limitless is convinced he's not going to get a bluff out of Yuri. Yeah. Said, so instead, I think that makes sense, actually, when, when the four pairs. Because you, why? You'd expect more aces to be able to call you if you're Yuri. All the aces can call you. Yeah. That's right. 
No question about it. Right. So there's not as much point to betting. Well, you weren't, were you really trying to bluff an ace anyway? Maybe you, maybe you were. Maybe if you're, you're trying to bluff yeah. a bad ace. Sometimes. If you're going for three barrels, you have to expect that sometimes an ace will fold or else why would you do it? Yeah. Yeah, because like the queen or jack of hearts, king queen or king jack with the queen or jack of hearts is maybe the, one of the few hands that would have gone call call yeah. that, that you're beating with an ace, but besides that, you're chopping mostly, right? And we're talking about bluffs, by the way. So if you had like jack 10 off here. Right. right, like, right I right. think he would shut it down. Right. And I think Limitless thinks that too. He, Limitless must. Also, he must think that. Limitless also obviously has the heart blocker with the 10 of hearts. Yes, of that, course. That's probably part of this. I think so. Yeah. Because I think if he didn't, then he'd be like, well, now Yuri can have the 10 of hearts in his hand or another a heart yeah. in his hand, which maybe he's going to feel more inclined to like shove more of the time. So I think, of I think Limitless is mostly repping a flush and trying to fold out an ace. That's the, that's the plan. Okay. And get, get the chops to I fold. I think you're probably right. What else could it be? Guess what happens? Yuri tanks and folds Why? the five high flush. I hate that. I know. I know what I know. I can see the cards. Yeah. I acknowledge this. And these guys are better than me. Both of them. Yuri's clearly better than me. This feels like a terrible play on its face, at least. Right. It probably isn't. It's Yuri. Now, but I got to tell you, on first hit, it feels completely off. You might be assuming that Limitless is doing stuff like this all the time, but yes. he's probably not. Right. You know, good point. That's a big deal. How would Limitless play... Okay, the problem is Limitless can't have queen four or jack four with a big heart in his hand because no. he called the three bet. You beat no value as Yuri. Let's, let's start with that. I'm trying to think if there's a way Limitless can ever have trip fours and he just, he's just not calling the turn with a four. Three, only, four right? suited or something? I can't see it happening. Yeah, it's really tough to come up with because he's got a gutter, right? He also called preflop. Like, he called a big three bet preflop. Reasonable three bet. Yeah. Does he really call with four five or three four suited at these the stack depth Probably out of position? Not. With an eighteen blind stack yeah. too. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So he maybe he doesn't have any four, so we can eliminate because because trip fours was at least a possible hand of yeah. value that we could beat, right? But I guess it can't it, very unlikely it for it. It doesn't seem likely. Yeah. yeah. And obviously ace four is beating us anyway. Yep. Um okay. So now we're just down to hearts and we've got bad hearts. Yep. So we can't beat any value. We have to. We have to beat a bluff. What bluff does he have? It's just the like big hearts, right? This is a very confusing play by Limitless yeah. because it's like, how does he have? Would he really play big hearts like this? He would go check call, check call with the queen of hearts. I don't believe it. You know, I think like he would probably raise there because he doesn't want to check call out of position with the queen of hearts and get no value when the fourth heart comes. Right? He's it, almost never going to play it like that. Yeah, it turns out that like maybe Limitless would have done this with any ace or king with a big heart because yeah. he's trying to either fold out a chop or fold out an ace, which is a better hand if he had the king. Um, and those are the bluffs that man are are there. But it's hard to put that together if you're Yuri that those would be the bluffs. This is this is like such an insane play by Limitless. Now as we're talking about it more, you know, as we get deeper into like. Like, how do you ever put him on top pair with a good kicker? You just don't think you would make this play with that. And that's why he does it, right? Like, he's like, when I've got the big heart, too, I just put you in so many tough, weird spots, especially when it would be a chop. Yeah. It's, like, so perfect. Yeah. I, I the problem mean, is, what are we calling with then? Like, what part of our... We just don't have very much strength. In I our, mean, we obviously have full houses that we're calling with. Not that many. We have very few full houses. We have very few flushes that we would have played this way. Yeah. I, know, I know we raised pre and we played it. We would have played all of them this way. But we have so many other hands that we three bet and I, go bet bet. I with. agree with you that distribution yes. likely demands a call from Yuri. That's all I'm it's saying. It's possible that Yuri has never seen this line from Limitless before. And he's like, <laughs> this is not the time to test this line. That's like, a good This point. line is crazy strong. And if it wasn't Limitless, if we remove ourselves from that for oh a second and just at a table, 
people, you're like, that guy is the fucking nuts. Like, I would assume that somehow they made they had Ace Four and they made the full house yeah. on the river. Yeah. Or they had Queen Jack of Hearts or something right. like that and had it the whole way. Yeah, I would assume that. So I do think guy. when you're playing against elite competition, you probably have to make a call like this if you're your, probably required. But I also would certainly understand the fold yeah. against a line like this with the five high flush. Yeah, like my initial thing of like saying I hate this, like I'm taking it back. I will say like I do not hate it. I really understand how tough this is as we talk more and more about it from Yuri's point of view, like how unbelievably tough this is. It seems like distribution, like you said, just demands this call. And because it's a guy like Limitless, he sh- we should be able to know that, or we should not be able to know, we should believe, though, that he is capable of being balanced in all these situations. That you know, Now, Daniel Coleman, that one time when he had aces against Scott Seaver, and Seaver had nines and flopped a set of nines in that cash game, the super high roller roll cash yeah. game, where he went bet call. Dan, Dan Coleman, I think five bet pre got called. It was king nine X bet the flop got called check called the turn check folded the river. Yep. Um, and later on in the interview was saying everyone's like, oh, how can you fold? You're getting exploited. He's like, Scott is never, ever, ever bluffing there. He's never like he's never exploiting me there. So that Scott was one of the best players in the world. And so was Dan Coleman. Dan felt very clear yep. that actually Scott wouldn't be balanced there. Now, this was a number of years ago. Limitless plays online more. Limitless is the next iteration of some of these guys in this, in this stuff. Maybe he can be balanced in this spot, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe Yuri's right, even though in this case, Limitless is bluffing, where Limitless has very few bluffs here, and it's actually a totally profitable fold. Maybe that's true. Yeah, it's, like, what, if, what if this is the only hand that Limitless does this right. with? Like ace-10 with a 10 of hearts, because it makes sense to check call twice, and then it makes sense to make the play for the purposes that we discussed earlier. Maybe if Limitless ever has a king with a big heart, he's always check-raising the turn or something. Like, he doesn't get here that way. But what about ace-x with the x of hearts? Why, why would it just be ace-10 with the 10 of hearts? Like, couldn't it be ace-jack, ace-queen, ace-nine, well, ace-eight? Probably not ace-jack or ace-queen because he's probably shoving those pre-flop. Okay. Certainly ace-queen, he's shoving yeah. pre-flop a lot. Probably yeah. ace-jack sometimes. Well, ace-jack is close to ace-ten yeah, with the same problems. Yeah. Maybe ace-eight and ace-nine are also in there with the heart. Yeah. But not too many. But even if it's four hands, right? Yeah. I mean, there's more combos, of course, um, than four because you've got a those few also aces, like but. I don't know. Is he calling with those preflop or is he ace eight or ace nine? Yeah. Oh, because he might shove instead. Yeah. Or fold. ace eight. Ace eight is a pretty good combo to shove. Yeah. Ace nine is super. I think ace nine might be a call. Ace yeah. nine is probably just good enough. Ace eight is close. Ace eight may be a call too. I'm not sure. Ace six has got to be a shove or a fold though, and yeah. probably a shove. Yeah. Right. Very interesting hand. Very interesting hand. Anyway, Yuri ends up going out fourth because he made this awful play that Jonathan despises. <laughs> I do not. Limitless does that. not win the tournament. Gets second place. Mm. Like a chump. I will say, and I understand that this is, there's some bias here in a bunch of different ways, right? But one of the biases is we're always just looking at the, the coolest, most wild hands. So yeah. like often you're going to see these crazy folds and these super high-end plays. But like, so my background, of course, being limit hold'em first and foremost is like a calling game. Yep. Like you get to showdown. You have a good hand. You almost never fold a good hand. I have folded monsters in limit hold'em as well. You know, even heads up against certain opponents in certain spots. So you bet the river, you get raised against a guy who just always has it. You can fold trips. You mm-hmm. know, you have trip aces, you bad kicker, you just fold. You know, you're always beat. They show you a better hand. Um, but like most against like any good tricky player at all, it's just you just never consider folding any kind of a good hand, no matter what. It's okay if you're mostly wrong. Now you're getting better odds in limit hold'em, but the point is like I've been taught over years of playing that like man, it really works just to call a lot, right? So like 
all my biases are like, I've got a good hand. I call, like yeah. I find calls, you know, and not to say I've never made big faults in the limit. Of course I have. Of course I have. But like my inclination is always to go towards calling. And I will say that most of the time when we see these unbelievable plays, these crazy plays by the Stephen Chidwicks of the world, they like never have it, man. Yeah. I know I always say this about Bryn Kenny, but like it's so rare for them to actually show up with a monster. I'm just saying like as I'm thinking now, again, it may be a, a curated list that we're looking at. I'll yeah. acknowledge that. But holy shit, dude, they never fucking have it. <laughs> like, am I right? Do you so, agree? It seems that way. Yeah. But maybe it's a curated list. Maybe. But like it's so hard to it's have. It's less it. interesting when they have it so people don't suggest it. Right. Right. Fair enough. And uh yeah, it's it's the crazy bluff that gets through. That's that's the thing that gets suggested. That's very possible. Yeah. So it's a it's a selected group, but still, man, it's possible that like the next time I'm playing in the World Series and I'm playing with one of these guys, that I'm just gonna like now after saying this for a year and a half, like I'm just gonna like go out quickly, you know, <laughs> like because <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, well, I'm I'm obviously not folding. Yeah, like I have a mediocre, pretty good to pretty good hand against you. So of course I call. Oh, I lose. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Right. Goodbye. Yeah, of course I lose. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Cool yeah. hand. Cool hand.